I always love when a holiday rolls around because we get to see our family and uh, we share meals together and stories together. And, uh, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to do that next Sunday with our church family, with uh, the praise and pie. And, and I've said this during the announcements, it's always one of my favorite things that we do all year. And just to hear about the stories and different ways that God has blessed our church family throughout the year. Well, today uh, we're going to look at an open secret from the life of Daniel that I think is going to be really helpful to all of us. And I love the life of Daniel. Someone, I think it was Maddie, mentioned last week when I asked for favorite books of the Bible, she mentioned the book of Daniel. And I don't know if she was trying to butter me up or what, but um, I, I love the life of Daniel. I was named after this Daniel in the Bible. And uh, Daniel was one of my parents' favorite uh, people in the Bible, so they named me Daniel. And uh, my middle name is Curtis. Uh, many of you know Curtis Hudson. And I was named after Curtis Hudson. He was one of my parents' uh, favorite preachers uh, growing up, so they named me after him. And uh, we've been studying this book of Daniel uh, with our kids on Wednesday nights. And uh, would, you, would you help me uh, pray for our kids' ministry? And I have a real burden for, for kids and for teenagers and, and just this community. And I would love to—our goal is not to be big— but we have to understand that uh, numbers represent people. And so uh, I just want to influence as many kids as possible. And so would you pray that we could reach more, ki- more children here at our church? And we have a great time with them on Wednesday nights learning about the Bible. And uh, over the past several weeks learning about Daniel and uh, playing games with them. And, and we just have such a good time. So please help me pray about that ministry. But what we're going to learn today is that Daniel... Uh, was a man who had something what we would call an authentic faith. I mean, his faith was real, was real to him. And this was a man who lived the same way, regardless of whether he was on a platform somewhere or if he was in the secret uh, private prayer, uh, prayer life in his room. And I want to show us today this open secret to Daniel's life. So Daniel chapter 6, and uh, as you're finding your way there, let me give you a little history lesson of what's happened Uh, In the last three chapters, from Daniel chapter 3 to Daniel chapter 6, 60 years have passed. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has been dethroned. His family has been killed. Uh, The Medes and Persians have moved in and really destroyed Babylon. And they're now controlling the country. And this guy named King Darius is in control at this time. And he doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. He kind of wants to keep things balanced. So he keeps a lot of the wise men in power, including Daniel, and uh, just to try to keep this community intact somewhat. But some of the government officials, they realize that the favor of God is upon Daniel, and they're naturally jealous of him. Many people were jealous of, of Daniel and his relationship with the Lord, and they're jealous of this man, it's interesting, who's living for the Lord. And this is where we find ourselves in this story, and they're trying to start a coup to remove uh, Daniel because they're jealous of him. So the Bible says here in Daniel chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 4. The Bible says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except... 
We find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and he talked negatively about the king and he wept. Is that what the Bible says? No. It says his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. I pray that you would just bless our time together in this passage. God, give us what we need today. Lord, for those that are hurting, those that are struggling, God, I pray that you would encourage them and help them uh, from this passage. And we'll thank you for what you do today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to give you uh, one insight about Daniel's life that's really a hallmark of his faith. And that's this, that our faith is always personal, but it's never private. Okay, our faith is always personal, but never private. Darius issues a law which basically makes him God. I mean, he says here for the next 30 days, you can't pray to anyone or any God but me. And basically, if, if you don't follow this, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to be thrown to the den of lions. Now, this was a death sentence. You know, people didn't walk away from the lion's den. And Daniel knows this, and Daniel knows that he's risking his life by praying. But what does he do? Well, the text says he continues to pray. And Daniel knows that there's a cost here. There's a cost to pray. It's going to cost him something. And I want you to guess how old Daniel is at this time. When, when he's thrown into the den of lions. Now, I'll give you a hint. It's not what most of our Sunday school pictures portray. Okay? Daniel, at this time, was about 80 years old. He was in his 80s. And uh, the, most people that I've read from say that he was anywhere between 80 and 85 years old. So he, he's an older man at this time. And I, I read this, and I think, you know, if I were there, I would think, Daniel, you know, what, what are you doing? I mean, you're, you're at the end of your life. You know, you're getting up in years. Uh, you know, just kind of ride this thing out. I mean, you're almost there. Just, I mean, close your mouth when you pray. Or at least close the windows. Shut the door. You know, do it in secret. Uh, you know, just, why, why are you going to keep praying? And here's why. Daniel was a man who would never change his practice with the changing culture around him. That's so important. That's so important for us to hear today, that we don't change our practice, even though our culture is rapidly changing around us. And it's and it's changing not for the good, but for the worse. And Daniel knew the culture was going to change, but he was disciplined to pray to God. Now, when we mention Daniel uh, in the Bible, we automatically think of what? The lion's den, right? I mean, it's just they just kind of go together. Daniel, you hear Daniel and in your mind, you're probably thinking, and the lion's den. 
And we always like to think about that, which it is part of his story. But what's fascinating is that up into this point of the lion's den, there are actually 153 verses that pertain to the life of Daniel. Now, guess how many verses talk about his time in the lion's den uh, up to this point? Zero. Not mentioned one time. But we like to talk about the courage that Daniel had to endure the lion's den. We like to talk about what a great man he was and how he had faith in God to go into the den. But I would say this, Daniel's courage didn't start in the lion's den. Daniel's courage started a long time before that. And uh, it actually came very, very much earlier than that. You see, Daniel was a, a man who exemplified faith in God for years and years and years. And he prayed even though it meant death. And the challenge for us as Christians, you know, I think a lot of times we want God to do something really miraculous in our life. And we want to have this grand this story to tell our friends and tell our family that, man, God moved in this and God did this great thing and he just miraculously moved in my life. And there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, we want to tell everyone the sensational, just redemptive story of, of how God stepped in. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the fact of the matter. Many Christians will never have that kind of story. And the reason is that we won't demonstrate faith in the lion's den because we won't demonstrate faith in our everyday life. You see, we want, uh, we want the story. We want uh, the miraculous work of God, but we don't want to put the work in ahead of time. To, to, to be able to tell those kinds of stories. And see, in order to stand in the lion's den, you have to stand in everyday life and be faithful to the Lord. Now, I want to show you this line at the end of verse 10. I love this. This is just so good. Uh, look at it there in our text, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And notice these last words, as he did aforetime. Now, what does this mean? This means that Daniel had a time on his day planner to pray to God. Daniel had a set time. He had a scheduled time. It was on his calendar. He had an alarm set three times a day to remind him to worship God. And the interesting thing is, I want you to get this, Daniel would rather put himself on the altar of God in worship rather than altering his plans to worship a false king. Now, what does that mean for us today? Well, there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to that. It's going to cost us something if we're going to follow him and be obedient to him. Paul said it this way, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So what Jesus is saying is that, hey, every time someone attacks you, uh, you have a reward in heaven. And we have to realize this. If we practice our religion, so to speak, in, in silence and in private and secret, we will be tolerated by the world. The world will tolerate us. 
But the moment we step out in public, the moment we're open with our faith, the fury of an intolerant world that demands tolerance will come against us. So our faith was never meant to be silent. It was never meant to be secret. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus goes on to say in this, in this passage, Matthew 5, verse 14, he says that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I'm, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. Will you allow me to do that? And I'm really speaking to myself. But, you know, some of us, we get so upset when the world criticizes us for what we believe. You know, we do. We just sometimes we just get so upset when, when this unbelieving world would criticize us for what we believe. But guess what? Jesus actually said that would happen. And so instead of getting upset, we should expect to be attacked. We should actually expect persecution. Uh, some of us, we just lose our minds when we're not tolerated for our comments or our beliefs or our stances and we get upset. Well, this is the world of following Jesus. This is what we are to expect. This is what Jesus said. And it's no surprise to to us that a secular world calls Christians bigots. You know, they call us bigots. And what is a bigot? Well, a bigot is someone who doesn't tolerate someone else's belief. But the secular world calls Christians bigots when in fact they extend bigotry to us. Uh, And Jesus said that, hey, they're going to do this. Don't be surprised when this world that demands tolerance is intolerant of those who are not tolerant of their beliefs. And Daniel understood this. Daniel understood that this was the world that he lived in. And in fact, uh, I would say this, if you aren't being persecuted, you may not be publicly professing your faith. You may not be standing for your faith because Paul said in this verse that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They will be persecuted. Uh, one of uh, our, I'm not going to call him a friend, but one of our, uh, one of the people we knew from college, um, just a few days ago, uh, his name was Stephen Terrell. And uh, he worked there uh, at the church where we went to school. And I knew him, I had talked to him, you know, on different occasions, uh, just because I worked there too. And so our paths crossed from time to time. But uh, just a few days ago, he, he's a missionary over in uh, Baghdad, that region of the Middle East. And uh, he was with his family. They were leaving to go somewhere. And he was driving, and his wife and their kids were in the back seat. They have young children. Um, I think three girls and a boy. And uh, anyway, they're on their way, and, and uh, the Taliban uh, cut them off. And drove in front of him and drove behind him. And so he couldn't move. And they got out and they shot this guy four times and killed him right in front of his family. And uh, his kids are and his, his wife, they're back in the States now. But, okay, so when we think about persecution, that is persecution. We don't suffer that kind of persecution in our country. We suffer in different ways. And we saw that with COVID, right? That really the church, they were doing things that the government had no business doing. But we do suffer persecution. Um, and, but Daniel understood that. So here's the question. What, what do we do when we're persecuted? You know, how, how do we respond to persecution when persecution comes our way? Well, Daniel is going to give us an open secret to his entire life. Okay, and, and here's the secret. Okay, I want you to write it down. 
And it's this, that our mindset, our mindset changes the moment. Okay, our mindset changes the moment. Now, I want you to get this. Look at verse, uh, again, verse 10 in our passage here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, okay, so this law had been passed. You can't pray to your God. You can't worship any God but, but King Darius. He went, so Daniel went to his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed. But notice this. Sometimes we, we skip over this. Just because these stories are so familiar to us, sometimes we skip over these really meaningful uh, words. But notice what he does. Not just, he doesn't just pray, but it says that he gave thanks. He gives thanks. And it says that he did this just as he did a four time. The, then, verse 11, these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Verse 12, then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Now, again, you have to think about this. I mean, it's 30 days. You know, it's just one month. In the, in the whole grand scheme of things, that's not a very long time, right? 30 days. And again, Daniel, just close the windows of your house. Uh, or Daniel, hey, you know, you don't even have to do that. But hey, why don't you just kind of like let it slide? Let, like just let your devotional life slide. I mean, it's only 30 days, right? Just don't worship God. Just don't read your Bible. Don't quote scripture. Just don't do any of that. And, you know, I thought about this uh, this week. I wonder how many of us would have missed the lion's den because we're in the habit of not praying and reading our Bible. How many of us would, would have missed the lion's den? You know what's really, really so cool about this passage? Look back at verse 4, Daniel 6. The Bible says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find an occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So again, they're trying to trip him up. They're thinking, man, we're jealous of Daniel. We, we want to get Daniel in trouble. So let's, let, let's, let's see if we can catch him doing something that he shouldn't do. And here's an interesting thing, too. As, as you study the Bible, did you know that Daniel's the only person in Scripture other than the Lord Jesus? He's the only one that we really don't have dirt on. Huh? Joseph. Okay. But not many, right? I mean, Daniel, it's, you can't really find dirt on Daniel. Uh, so here uh, we see in this verse, so they're, they're seeking occasion concerning the kingdom. Notice this, they couldn't find occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So he was so faithful to God. He was so faithful. They thought, man, if this guy's going to get in trouble... We need to make a law that you can't worship God. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, I just think about my own life. We all go through seasons. We all go through just the ebb and flow of life. You know, we go through times where we're really good with our Bible reading, and then we kind of slack off. How many of you, don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you start a new year and you get really excited and you think, man, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, and you have your reading plan out? And you do really well. You're in Genesis and you read through Exodus and Leviticus. Then you get to Numbers and you're like, okay, this maybe this isn't for me. And maybe I can't do this. And we slack off, right? 
We do this all the time. In our prayer life, we're really into it sometimes, and, and we pray, but then we slack off. But that really wasn't Daniel. Daniel was a man that whenever times got difficult, I want to show you, he goes into the prayer closet. I mean, whenever times really got overwhelming, Daniel just, this was who he was. He just went and asked God, and he prayed as he had always done before. And so the question I want to ask you is this, what do you do when times get tough? You know, where do we go? Where do we go when times get tough? You know, do we go to a friend? I mean, sometimes that's a good thing, you know, go to a trusted friend, get advice. Sometimes we... Uh, you know, go to the internet, you know, Google something, right? We go, but we go to many different places. But Daniel knew this secret that I want us to get. And Daniel knew that before he could stand before men, he had to kneel before God. So Daniel went to God. That's what we should do when we need help, when we're struggling, when we're hurting. Go to God. And prayer for him, it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. This was something that that he, you know, he just didn't do when he got in trouble. This was the pattern of his life. As a matter of fact, if you read through the book of Daniel, you can start in Daniel chapter 1, uh, and we see the story there where Daniel was being forced uh, to eat the king's meat and to drink the king's wine. And what did he do? No, the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he is not going to do this. And Daniel prayed. We see him praying. And God making a provision for him. In chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill the wise men, I believe Daniel stepped in and prayed for them on on their behalf. Daniel 3, we know this story well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were thrown into the fiery furnace and they were being forced to bow down to this false image, I believe Daniel prayed again. And here we are 65 years later. And what's Daniel doing? He's still praying. I mean, man, what what an example of faith and prayer, that he was just so consistent. His whole life was a life of prayer. Uh, This is a man where the pattern of his life was just seeking after the Lord. So where do we do, or where do we go when times get tough? What do we do? Well, Daniel went to God. But here's the key, okay, and I, I really believe this. You know, when we read this passage, Daniel didn't just bring his laundry list of things to God like we sometimes do. You know, when we, when we go into God in prayer and we say, God, you know, we need this and this and just all these things. And, and we just start unloading. Uh, God, you know, if, if you do this, you don't do this and change this and help this new king. I don't believe Daniel did it. Now, he, he may have. OK, I mean, the text doesn't say he may have done some of that. But this is what I do know. The Bible says when he prayed, he prayed with one word that made all the difference. OK, and here it is. Write this word down. It's the word gratitude. All right, I want you to get this. Gratitude. The king said here, listen, he just told Daniel, like, you're done. You disobeyed. You're going to the lion's den. And it says immediately he goes back to his room and he gives thanks to God. He prays with gratitude to the Lord. What he did was, I believe, he tried to find something that he could be grateful for. And I think we can all do that. Right. We all have so many things to be grateful for. He looked at the trial of his life. He looked at the outlook of his future and he found something that he could thank God for. And here's the principle. Okay, here's the principle that I want you to get. Input changes outlook. Okay, input changes outlook and outlook changes behavior. All right. So his input changed his outlook. And and, and we know this. Okay, whatever we put in our mind. Whether it's good or bad, 
Okay, whatever we put in our mind, it's going to come out to, to God and to other people. Okay, so he changed, he, he changed his input, which changed his outlook, which ultimately changed, and it will change, our behavior. And one of the ways we change that is with gratitude. All right, so for example, think about this. If you're negative all the time, okay, you're just a negative Nancy. Sorry, Nancy. You're just so negative all the time. And, and you're just thinking, oh, woe is me and the news and all this, you know, and we're just worrying all the time. We're fearful all the time. It really clouds our prayers and it clouds our mind. And just naturally, we're going to be just paralyzed and crippled. But if we're thankful all the time, if we have gratitude all the time, then that's naturally going to empower us in, in our prayer life and in our mind. And Paul knew this secret. Did you know that? Paul knew this. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Now, do you know what the word always means? Any Greek scholars out there? You know what it means? Always. Okay, it just means always. That's what it means. It means in everything, we are to rejoice in the Lord all the time. Now, what's fascinating about this, Paul is writing Philippians from where? From a prison cell, right? So Paul, what he's saying here is, he's saying, listen, just like I am doing in this prison cell, you need to rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter your circumstance. You, just, you choose. It's a choice. You rejoice in the Lord. Uh, he said this, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And I think this was on the front of our bulletin today. Uh, in everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So if you can get this, it changes everything. Okay, gratitude is kryptonite to worry, fear, negativity, and anxiety. Anybody anxious? Anyone fearful? Uh, anyone on edge? Listen, gratitude is the solution for this. Okay, you have a grateful heart. A person with an increasingly grateful heart will also have a decreasingly complaining mouth and negative mind. A person with a grateful heart will be less negative in their mind. They're going to be less critical in their heart. So when you pray with gratitude, it actually changes you. It changes everything. And here's a challenge that I, I have for you this week, okay? When you go home, I want you to get a piece of paper and a pencil. And if you have a, a nightstand or a bedside table, I want you to get that piece of paper, get that pencil, and put it beside your bed, okay? And for the next seven days, this is what I want you to do, all right? When you wake up, before you get out of bed, I want you to grab that pencil and that piece of paper, and I want you to write three things that you're thankful for, for that day, okay? Just write three things. We're going to do it for seven days. Now, at the beginning, it's going to be pretty easy, right? I'm thankful for life. Maybe you're laying there and I'm thankful for this comfy bed, you know, you know, it's going to be easy. But toward the end of the week, we might have to really start thinking about uh, what we're what we're grateful for. And the reason I want you to do this is this. We have enough negative influences outside of our homes that's attacking the home. We have enough negative influences outside of the church that's attacking our church family. The last thing we need to be doing is putting ourselves down. Okay, that's the last thing you need. We, listen, life is going to give you a thousand reasons to be upset, but you only need one to be grateful. All right, one reason, just to be grateful. Gratitude, listen to this, gratitude won't save you from the lion's den. 
Okay, because here, here's the thing. Uh, just because we have gratitude, it doesn't mean we're going to have this worry-free life and nothing bad is going to happen. Gratitude won't save you from the lion's den, but it will change your attitude when you're in it. And so bad things are going to continue to happen. We live in a sin-cursed world. Things are going to happen. You know, we're going to lose our job. We're going to lose loved ones. And, we're, you know, people are going to get sick. And things happen. But gratitude changes the moment, our circumstance. So here's the principle. Gratitude changes attitude. All right? Gratitude changes attitude. Let me give you one last verse, and then we're going to pray and be dismissed. But here's something to be grateful for. Okay? You're asking, what can I be grateful for today? Here's one thing. Psalm 118, verse 24 says this. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. All right, we always have something to be thankful for. And this was an open secret to Daniel's life. When things happen, he prayed just as he did a four time. But not, just did he, not only did he pray, but he gave thanks to God, even in really terrible circumstances. And so let's be a, a thankful people. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close this morning? And, and what I want us to do uh, this morning is, you know, I just want us to confess. You know, maybe some of you need to confess. Maybe sometimes we have this this just negative narrative in our, in our head and we're just ungrateful or unappreciative. Uh, you know, we're, we're not thankful. And I just want us to confess to the Lord right now and maybe just pray, God, I, I, I've been so ungrateful. Or, God, I, I've had a, a prayerless life. I don't pray like I should. I've had a negative attitude. I've had a complaining spirit. I just need to confess that to you. I haven't been, I haven't been thankful for the things that I do have. And then I, I want to ask you, what's something you can be grateful for today? I mean, we can find so many things. We woke up this morning. We got out of bed. You know, you're here worshiping with us. You have a family. You have a job. You have a house. You have a car. Or maybe you don't have any of those things. But you have breath, you have life. You have a God who, who loves to give second chances. A faithful God. A God that we can trust. And so, God, we, we pray. God, we pray that you would help us, Lord, collectively, Lord, as a church family, help us to be a grateful people. God, we have so much to be thankful for. And not just in this time of year when Thanksgiving is coming up, but God, I pray that every day, this would be the habit of our life, every day, that we would get into this rhythm of, of praying, but praying with gratitude. And, and God, help us to, to be a thankful people. And I pray that that would, would change our outlook and, and it would change our mindset. And so that it would rub off on other people. God, when we deal with people at work, when we deal with our family members, God, help them to know that this isn't, this isn't a bitter person. This isn't a person who just hates life or hates the world we live in. No, this is a thankful person. And God, I pray that you would maybe even use this as an opportunity for us to share our faith. Or helps to be like, like Daniel. Helps to be like you. And I pray that we would uh, just be faithful to, to pray no matter what. No matter when things get hard. 
and help us to have the faith to stand even when things are hard. And God, we love you. We love your word. God, help us to have a great week. And uh, we'll thank you for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.